Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today, as a request from Joe of the Hindsightless podcast, we're going to be talking about the recent TPK, or if you want to look at it another way, the tale of two TPKs that I had in my ICRPG campaign. So, Joe from the Hindsightless podcast has asked you about your TPK. I've not asked you much about your TPK that happened recently. So, tell me about the party, first of all. Okay, so, this was an ICRPG game. ICRPG is a sort of version of Mm D&D, but sort of ramped up to 11, high fantasy, sort of quite swingy. And the the party we had was we had Colin playing a a sort of a character called Oddgid, a sort of crazy like goblin alchemist. Mm-hmm. We had um, two characters that were brought over from our previous Midlands game that we converted into ICRPG. So we had Rob playing Fried Unstern, who's a, a cleric of Gale, the Golden Angel. And we had Johannes, who was playing his character Jackdaw, who originally was like a sort of stealth assassin, but because he wanted to... Um, sort of try out the magic system in ICRPG. We had a bit of a time jump, so we rejigged his character, so we had a bit of magic going on. So like blood magic and stuff like that, so still linked in with the sort of assassin vibe. And then finally we had uh, YT playing a character called Tel Merch, who was like your sort of Phil Mitchell style like bruiser from like the East End, you know, like bald head, big muscles, like to get in a scrap with his fists, that sort of vibe. So those are the four people we had in the party. Okay. And you said this was a tale of two party deaths what's the other party still the same party now the reason i say it's a tale of two tpks is because and we'll go into this a little bit more detail in a minute we had the original tpk which just sort of like ended with oh we've all been killed in a dungeon by smokers but even though the characters were going to die and they Mm -hmm. sort of knew that and i was like strictly speaking guys you guys are brown bread that's it you're done Mm -hmm. we thought that like sort of finishing the campaign off on a sort of oh, we've just got, like, killed by an ogre with a big club in a dungeon, was a bit of a sort of, like, poor ending to it, even though it had only been a short campaign. So what I did was I ran a session after that with them basically playing their characters, sort of waking up on a, like, a sacrificial altar. These ogres are going to sacrifice them to summon a Mm -hmm. demon. And I was like, you guys know that they had, like, a sort of spiritual visitation at the start of it, which basically told them, like, right, you're on borrowed time. This, this sort of the golden angel gale which was being followed by Fry Dunstan is sort of holding back your deaths temporarily so that you can stop this demon being summoned but after that that's it your your original deaths will come forth so they all knew they were going to die in this sort of like after session mm-hmm. or at the end of the session then it was end of the campaign but because of that it meant they were all free to sort of act out a bit, go out with a bit of a bang, you know, like sacrifice themselves and like throw themselves into it, which I thought was a far more entertaining and sort of satisfying conclusion to the little campaign rather mm. than just, oh, we got clubbed to death in a cave. And and yeah. the result was still the same. It wasn't like they, were, they, they knew they weren't going to be able to avoid their deaths, but at least they could go, oh, let's go out with a bang and like with a bit of heroics and stuff like that. Cool. So giving people a chance to say goodbye to their characters, really. Yeah, pretty much. Have to la- give them a good... Yeah, have a last hurrah, yeah. Yeah. So the the original, the events of the original TPK mm-hmm. were basically, they were, they were looking for a unicorn-type creature in 
one of the forests in the Havenlands just to the south of Great London to cure a curse that had been put on Friar Dunstan by one of their enemies. Now, when they travelled there, obviously you roll random encounters as you move in and they were travelling for a number of days so they had to make camps up, watches, all the normal stuff you do in a D&D game when you're like hex crawling your way through the wilderness and whatever. On one night they stopped off and I was like, right, there's four of you, so I assume you're going to take a watch what I'll do is, if there's a random encounter, I roll a d4, that's whose watch it is when the encounter's on. All the dice rolls done out in the open, because that's my preference. Everyone can see what's going on. Happy mm-hmm. days. So I went around and I was like, all right, is everyone taking a watch? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I'm taking a watch. And then we got to Colin and he was like, yeah, I'm telling everyone I'm taking a watch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the fact that you've mentioned you're telling everyone you've taken a watch implies that you're not actually taking a watch. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nah, fuck that. I'm just going to like get some shut-eye and slack off. And I was like, right, okay, so we've got Colin as number one, number two, number three, number four. Let's see. There's been a random encounter. You've seen me make the roll. Let's see whose watch it turns up. Lo and behold, it turns up as Colin's watch, so which is no watch at all because he's asleep. So the first the player characters know of it is they wake up to find these two large lumbering ogres have basically stomped into the middle of their camp and they're like turning over their camp. So the player characters are caught on the hop the ogres get some blows in and a big fight breaks out. Um, the ogres summon up a third ogre like by shouting out who comes over. The player characters narrowly manage to squeak through that encounter. Like It was looking really dicey for a few moments. But eventually, thanks to the healing powers of Fried Unstern, some of the magical items they've got and a couple of good rolls, they succeed. They kill these ogres off. They're then like, all right, we best sort of investigate and make sure there's no other ogres coming, etc. So Colin's character, Odgit, he's all the stealth master. He slips off into the forest. He was like, can I follow the tracks of the ogres? I'm like, yeah, of course you can. I said it had been raining recently. They're giant ogres. They've not been subtle, smashing their way through the trees. So he follows the trail, comes to like a sort of cavern. And I was like, oh, inside you can hear like sort of like deep rumbling snores from inside. And there's evidence of like a, a fire outside with like bits of human bone and animal bone, but it's not been lit for a while. And he's like, oof. This, this must be the goblin lair. Goblin lair. This must be the ogre lair. I'll get back and tell the others. So, like, he, like, back to the others, tells them what's going on. And then, bear in mind, they've only just survived an encounter with, like, three ogres. They're all like, we best go and deal with them ogres in that lair. <laughs> and they all go off to do that. And that's where we finished that session. Mm. When we started the next session, I was like, right, okay, so... You guys, you still planning on going into the lair to like kill the ogres? They're like, yeah, okay. So I was like, no problem, I've got it all planned out. I know that the three ogres they fought earlier were sort of young, like juvenile ogres. There's another three of them in the lair, and there's like the two adult ogres. I'm going to call them like the mummy and the daddy ogre, just for like convenience sake in this narrative. So they go, unbeknownst to them, the mummy ogre is like a spellcaster. (laughs) <laughs> who isn't going to get involved in the combat, really. It's going to be the juveniles and, like, the daddy ogre. So we started off the game. Due to, like, real-life stuff going on, Johannes was a bit late to the game. And because I don't like playing people's characters, I said, what we'll do if it's all right with the rest of you guys, so I want to crack on with the session. We'll say that, like, you've left Jackdaw outside in case, like, any other ogres come back as, like, a lookout. And then, obviously, when Johannes turns up, he can come in and join you as, as he sees fit. So they went into the dungeon... There was, they had like, they took like one torch with them for some reason, I'm not sure why, but they went into the dungeon. They, had, they got very little light from the torch. It was quite sort of wet and damp and humid in there because of the recent rains. I described they could hear like a sort of buzzing noise in the, in the distance. 
so they carried on moving they got to like a little stream there was loads of like insects swarming around it like gnats and stuff like mosquitoes and stuff like that they they start like mess they have to like descend a sort of small like vertical drop at the end of the the path to sort of like uh, just to get down to like the main dungeon floor mm-hmm. um so i was like a few of them are like oh right we're going to go down there i was like okay so how are you getting down you're using ropes whatever you're climbing down colin's character was like the dex master he's like right i'm going to climb down there and i was like okay make your roll fails his roll like utterly and i'm like right it's it's not very big so you only can take a little bit of damage but he falls down he takes a little bit of damage and when i said oh you've fallen off the wall his reaction was to go <laughs> and he fell off the wall and i was like okay so you're like screaming as you fall down and he's like yeah that's what i'm doing so i was like okay so i instantly rolled for like see whether any of the ogres had heard him which i was like it's a quiet cave system you've just been screaming there's lots of echoes chances are good of course the ogres heard him that they, they sort of they know they're in their lair so they're moving a bit more cautiously because they know the layout the players don't and the ogres have got like fairly good sort of night vision so they creep up they see the the sort of hapless player characters sort of scrambling down this drop you know with a little torch or like this sort of 10 foot radius of light and the ogres with their like massive reach of their clubs are like oh we're just going to stand in the dark and it's just beyond this and like so, so the ogres wade in. They start like mashing up the player characters, like these three juvenile ogres. Fight, fight, fight. The player characters are holding their own. They're doing pretty well. They start putting down these juvenile ogres who are all like sort of like screaming as they're dying and whatever. And while that's been going on on my GM map, I've been sort of moving like the daddy ogre closer because he's mm. been like, oh, I can hear my kids like screaming. What's going on? And, but he's like, they might be just fighting amongst themselves. So he's not like running up full bore in a charge. He's just like ambling along. So it takes him a few turns to get there. In those few turns, the player characters have taken a proper licking off these juvenile ogres, but they've managed to kill them. So they've just killed them, and they're like, oh, oh this is going a bit bad. The um, Fry Dunstan has like, done a bit of healing on him, but unfortunately he's like failed one of his spellcasting rolls with the result that he loses that spell for the rest of the day. So he's not got any healing now, really, that's any good. So when the big daddy ogre turns up and goes, oh, you've just killed my three kids, it's clobbering time, <laughs> and starts laying into him. Well, the ogres in ICRPG, one of their, they have a couple of different moves they can do. One of the moves they can do is they like smash their club on the ground and it sends out like a seismic wave and everyone has to make like a, a con check, I think it is, or you fall over and you miss a, like your first action. Mm-hmm. So he comes in, he's like, boom. All of them are on their arse, so the ogre gets like a free turn. So he, ju- he gets two like actions a turn, so he just like go, oh, my first action, you run on the ground. Second action, I'll hit one of you in my giant club. Okay, that's done a lot of damage. Right now I've got a free turn with two actions. I'll hit another two of you in my giant club. That's done a lot of damage. So all the player characters are like really hurting already. They've already taken injuries from the, the juvenile ogres that they killed. Mm-hmm. Their healing's tapped out. Now the big daddy ogre's wading in and he's like mashing them up. At this point... Johannes arrived and he was and I was like you can hear like your fellows like screaming and like this bestial roaring from down in the cave so his like assassin guy goes romping in luckily for them starts throwing in this blood magic and stuff like that starts to the, the tide of battle sort of starts turning a bit in their favour but they've also then got to deal with this like um, swarm of insects that's roused up by any activity near the thing and basically if you're in this swarm you take like, like a small amount of damage I think it was like D4 damage like a turn if you're in this swarm 
and the ogres, the reason they're not bothered about it is because they're too thick skinned, so it doesn't bother them. So while the play characters are fighting this ogre, the ogre knows it's not affected by the swarm. So it's like standing in the swarm, like fighting. So everyone who's fighting him, even though they're like, oh, we're chipping away and we're chipping away at him, their hit points are gradually getting knocked down by this swarm each turn. So we get to the very end of it, and basically they're all they're all out. They're all down. There's no one to save them. They've got no healing. I'm like, strictly speaking, you're all dead. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying at the start, though, that's not like a particularly satisfying way to end the campaign because we knew that after we'd finish this, we're going to move on to a different game. So mm-hmm. I said, what I'll do is I'll run another session next week with you guys sort of waking up on this sacrificial stone mm-hmm. and you'll have like a vision which I explain what's going on. But that's going to be the last session. Like your characters aren't going to live beyond that session because technically you should have died in this session. You're just getting like an extra session's grace. So when they woke up on the altar. Okay, when they woke up on the altar, um, I did like Adam did like a quick sort of test to see what they noticed, and basically they're all sort of bound together with like big sort of thick like ship style rope on this big stone. There's like the mummy ogre at the top of these stairs with like this crudely created like shrine. She's giving it all the like black speech of Mordor, like summoning up this demon and whatnot. Um, they the 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 daddy ogre's like patrolling around at the bottom of the stairs. Um, so they were like they there was chatting amongst themselves like whispering to each other because i was like and occasionally i'd make a quick roll to see if the ogre spotted him he didn't and they were like all right we've got to get someone out from under this rope but i was like the ropes are like well tight and they were like oh, i'll tell you what we'll do which was quite clever and i really i really enjoyed this bit they were like oh odd gets like really small and scrawny because he's a goblin isn't he i was like yep they're like oh what we'll do is the rest of us will all like exhale to expand our chests as much as we can knowing we can't get out but hopefully it'll give him en- enough slack that he can like out of the rope i was like do you know what don't even make a roll for that yeah he's about like a quarter of the size of the rest of you of course he can mm-hmm. so he slips out and i was like i didn't make a roll i was like right you reckon you've got like two rounds as the daddy ogre's like walking backwards and forwards before he suddenly looks at that stone and he's like oh there used to be four people on there mm-hmm. where's the other guy gone so to, to could have i mean we're running a bit long already but to cut a, a long story short basically they they managed to break themselves free a fight broke out on these stairs the friar realised that the ogress was trying to summon up some like old god, some like ancient, not like Cthulhu style, but just some ancient demon. Um, they were trying to delay him as much as possible to to like stop them from doing this. At one point, um, Johannes's character, he like he saw that because all their kit was like piled up in the shrine, they had none of their gear, none of their weapons, none of the the buffs or anything like that. So Yannis was like, oh, can I see where like, my spell books are? My like, demonic spell book. I was like, yes, it's in the pile at the top of the stairs. He was like, right, I'm just going to sprint and try and get my like hand on that book. So he sprints up the stairs. I was like, the ogress is going to spot you. I was like, make a dex roll, see if you can grab it before she acts. He failed the roll. I was like, right, the ogress is going to like tonk you on. She does the roll. They're already on minimal hit points because they've all just been like strapped to this stone they should have been dead previously the ogress tonks him and i was like and he's like that's it that's me done and then yana says oh do i get a, a last chance to like do anything like as a sort of last hurrah and i was like do you know what why not it's the last session of the campaign you all know you're gonna die anyway why not go for it whatever and he says oh well what i'm gonna do is because i'm a master of blood magic 
and I've witnessed demon summonings before because they've stopped one before in character. He's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and like, as my last act, sort of like with my own blood because he's been like pounded, I'm going to draw these sigils onto me that'll like channel like the demon into my body because I know that'll delay it while it tries to like adapt my body f for use as a vessel. I was like, you are absolutely right. So you do that as your last gasp. Everyone else sees like his body starting to like twist and deform as this demon's reshaping it. And I was like, right, the rest of you, like, know a bit about demon summoning. You know that, like, he's bought you a few rounds. The rest of the characters, who, like I said, at the start, they had a vision from Gale, who was like, oh, I can't help you in this because I'm going to be busy, like, holding your deaths back. But, like, this demon needs to not enter the world. I'm buying you some time, but use it wisely. Because, like, Fry Dunstan's been one of his faithful. So they basically rush up. They stop this demon from being summoned. They, they put an end to the ogres. And then I did a nice little sort of end scene with the... During the final fight, they all sort of ended up dying. I did a last sort of end scene with, you know, sort of like the them sort of like appearing in like this misty sort of like afterlife background. And Gale's there, so this golden angel with him. And like Odd gets like, oh, so, so what happens now then? And he's just like, oh, now you get to find out what happens next. And they all turn and like walk off into the mists and that was the end of the campaign. Nice. And like I say, again, the, the main reason I did that was just because... I, I, whilst I'm not necessarily a big fan of avoiding character deaths, in a situation like this where like, everyone knew the characters were dead, I'd rather have, when people think about the campaign in the future, I'd rather have them going, like, oh, do you remember that last cool session where we were like, taking down those ogres and we were stopping that demon summoning, rather than going like, oh yeah, we had that last session where we all got tonked by an ogre in a, <laughs> in a cave and we all died horribly. Yeah. So that's, that's the whole reason I did it. See, one of the things with these hate scroll sort of games, for me... Yeah. Sort of appears to be that a lot of the stuff's quite random and nobody wants to die to a random encounter. So it's cool that you've like sort of worked it around and made it part of a bigger like part well, of their campaign. Well the thing is I've got to admit, I'm but, personally I'm not a fan of um sort of like trying to bend things to fit an established story. Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree with you. Part of, part of the appeal of a hex scroll thing to me is that it's random. Mm. Like, you could be shot by a goblin arrow with, like, your first-level fighter and, like, eh, that's you down. But if someone's about to die and they're like, oh, can I just, like, gasp out one last message before I die? Mm -hmm. Or can I just, like, have one last action before I die? I'm going to be like, yes, you can. You can't do anything to stop dying. You're dead. But if you think one last, like, thing, like, going, like, rosebud or whatever is going to make your character's death cooler. Why would I say no? That's it. It seems to be that the appeal, almost, of doing this sort of random stuff is then finding a way to make the random stuff part of the story rather than it just being, like, a random goblin that has nothing to do with anything and it may as well not have happened at all. You've, like, built it into this whole thing with the goddess and sort of works yeah I mean the thing for me is I, I'm a great proponent of this I, I forget who I heard mention it but the idea of like whatever happens in the game is the story mm. so I, I'm not going to come to a game with a pre-established story and then try and make the game fit into that story whatever the player characters do in the game and whatever happens as a result of that whether it's down to dice rolls player choice random chance whatever that is the story we're telling mm -hmm. so and this applies to when I'm like a player as well. If I'm playing in the game and like the story becomes, oh, I got shot by like a goblin wolf rider's arrow and I like died like sort of like 
shouting out something to my fellows about my last gasp or whatever. That's part of the story, mm. and I'm I'm more than happy with that. But by the same token, I do like to allow a little bit of flexibility when it comes to people dying, not to stop them dying, just that if like one last little thing can make your death cooler or more memorable, why not? Mm-hmm. Something else that we've talked about a bit previously is the fact that you don't get attached to your player characters. No. And I assume the same sort of applies to your campaign. Well, it's, it's not so much that I, I don't get attached to them. The thing with me is uh, I've always got like some ideas in the back of my head for like future characters, future campaigns. So to me, if I'm playing a character in a game and that character dies, I'm already thinking, like, oh, how can I make the next character cooler? How can I make the next character even more enjoyable? And I just move on to that. I might be like, oh, it's a shame I won't get to, like, do a bit more with this character. But, like I say, I'm already thinking of the next character and what, like, cool stuff I can do with them. So I find by sort of moving forward like that and not dwelling on the character I've just lost, it makes it a lot easier for me to go, oh, yeah, it was a bit of issue that I got taken out by that one goblin arrow, but them's the breaks. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can do better with my next character. And what about the campaign world? Are you... Just as happy to move on to a new one there. Yeah, we're moving on to a new campaign world now. Uh, And if your players had wanted to do another story in the same campaign world... Yeah, I'd have been happy with that. Um, What I'd have probably wanted to do, though, is because we've just done, like, two campaigns set in the same campaign world with different games. Mm -hmm. What I'd have probably done, if that had been like, oh, we really want to carry on, like, doing some sort of London stuff, I'd have probably gone, well, let's try another game for for the next campaign and then in future we can sort of swing back around to this setting again because I do like to every couple of games like, have a bit of a break or do something mm-hmm. a little bit different just to keep things a little bit fresh and a bit more interesting for myself as the GM. So this has been our episode a tale of two TPKs as requested by Joe of the Hindsightless podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode Joe and I hope other people listening to it have enjoyed it as well. If you want to leave us a message and tell us about any memorable TPKs you've had in your games or anything else, or put in requests for future episodes, you can leave us a message on SpeakPipe. There's a link in the description below. Or you can drop us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com. Until we see you next time, take care, stay safe, and keep gaming. Bye.